foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. These words from the most famous homeless person in history, Jesus Christ, are often skipped over by those who claim to be his followers, ignored. But then again, it is usually Christians, church groups, who have taken the lead in helping the homeless out and trying to understand how a person could come to sleep on the cold concrete in the first place. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Well, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Yes, welcome to December on Science Radio. I am your host, Kent Kingston. I have producer here, Daniel Kubarek, in the studio. And on the phone from the beautiful mountaintop town of Toowoomba, we have Jacob Uglesha. How are you, Jacob? Very good, Kent. How are you doing? I'm really well, mate. Really well. Now, welcome back to Signs of the Times Radio. For you, Jacob, you, you yeah, uh, spoke to us uh, a few months back. Yeah, I think it was uh, April, yeah. I think. Okay, excellent. Yeah. And yeah, you, you told us a great experience that you had there about meeting some of the, some of the as they say on Sesame Street, who are the people in your neighborhood? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some, some people you, you'd been connecting with, um, some Muslims in particular, those friendships you, uh, you, you developed there, which was fantastic. But you're sort of taking us in a different direction with this article that you have in, in this month's Signs of the Times. We've uh, entitled it Cold Concrete. Because mm. this was your experience, sleeping on, on the cold concrete, feeling that cold sort of seep up through your back and, and ruin your mm. your night's sleep. So, But look, be- before we go there, for those who didn't uh, hear the, the episode or the interview with you back in April, just give us a thumbnail sketch. Who is Jacob Uglesha? Oh, yeah. Listen, I, I'm from Toowoomba and... I guess my big thing is that I love my role as a pastor and that means spending a lot of time with lots of different people from kids to adults and to all things in between. So, yeah, no, that's pretty much my passion. I love to meet new people and from all walks of life. Okay. All right. So, you, you have a pretty young voice. Are you uh, mm. a, a single man? You married? Kids? Like, where, where, oh, where, are you, where are you up no. to family-wise? Well, no kids, not single. I'm married with uh, one wife and we've been <laughs> married one, actually okay. as of yesterday, three years. Oh, wow. Congratulations. Well done. Oh, thanks. Yeah. So, it's uh, it's been going fast, but loving every minute. Excellent. Okay. All right. So, so Toowoomba, pastoring, married, no kids. All right. Fair enough. Sounds exciting. I, I think we sort of have a, a mental picture. Now, the focus of your article that you wrote for us, Jacob, is on homelessness. So I guess, you know, when we think about homelessness, we think about Sydney, Melbourne, you know, some of the the biggest cities in Australia. We don't normally think of Toowoomba as a place where there's a a lot of homelessness, but is it in fact an issue? Well, yeah, I think it's it's pretty much across all Australia. Hey, and yeah, uh, in many ways, the poverty line, and I think that's really what we look at is below that there are a lot of Australians currently living under that and mm. suffering in different ways. So, some might live in, in share houses or on friends' couches and some might actually live out on on the street. So, mm-hmm. yeah, when, when we're talking about the poverty line, yeah, it's, 
it can actually cover, I think it's something like 2 million Australians. Wow. And so that's, yeah, even in regional areas like Toowoomba. And yeah, just, of course, the big cities tend to have the more prominent, obvious kind of poverty where, you know, you see the people living on the street. But mm-hmm. yeah, you'd be surprised. A lot of people that do sleep on the street are very good at hiding and yeah. you don't see them as often and they still might have to you know, do stuff during the day. So they, they move around quite a bit and yeah, yeah that yeah. gets difficult. And, and, and as you say, there's a, the other way that homelessness is hidden is with people, like you say, crashing on people's couches, moving from one friend's place to another, maybe yep. sli- sleeping in the car, you know, that sort of thing. And it is technically homelessness. I mean, it's certainly a That's very it. insecure uh, accommodation situation. And, and so that, that is happening in Toowoomba. Like, are there agencies there, like, you know, trying to connect with homeless people, trying to, trying to help out? Yeah, there are quite a few, and uh, one of the most prominent ones is actually a Christian church that started in the basement of their main church, and they started mm-hmm. a, a soup kitchen and a service uh, downstairs, and that has been very influential in the town, even to the extent of other government organizations finding value in it and working with them. And yeah, but then there are, of course, the, the usual government organizations that mm. work throughout Okay. All right. So this basement organization, is this the one that organized the, the sleep out experience that you participated in? Yeah, that's it. So they, they do this yearly and I think it's been going for about 10 years, but as of the last maybe three years, it's become bigger because mm-hmm. their service is becoming bigger and the need is... So this is actually their fundraiser yeah. and so the experience is how you raise money. Okay. All right. I mean, it, it is something that does happen around the place. I think um, St. Vincent de Paul has their, uh, has a sleep out and I, I'm not sure if it's the same one that there's one called as the CEO sleep out where basically oh. like, you know, bosses and CEOs, you know, usually it's right in the middle of winter, mm. you know, sleep on the streets for, for a night. And it's the usual thing where you, you know, Hey, can you sponsor me for, you know, for doing this? And of course, you know, they're, a lot of them are well off. So they have well off friends who can sponsor them, you know, quite handsomely and, <laughs> They do quite well That's awesome. out of it. Yeah. Okay. So what what sort of motivated you to to say, yeah, sure, I'd love to sleep out on the street for a night in the middle of winter? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's an it's obvious. Well, who wouldn't? What what a what a fun thing to do. <laughs> yeah. No, I think one of the things is, and it's very similar to what motivated me to connect with my friends who were Muslims, is mm. that basically it's. It's a field of experience that I've never had. Yeah. I, I've never grown up on the street. I've never had to. I've never been forced to sleep on the street, and so initially that's what was motivating me. But also a group of us. So you know, positive peer pressure, that whole thing. You know, encouraging yeah, yeah. to go together and fundraise. I think that's been really. Mm. Those two reasons have really motivated me. Okay, so so it, it seemed like a good cause. All your mates were doing it. You say, yeah, yeah, you sort of G'd one another up and it yeah. seemed like a great idea. So, so there you were. So, so talk, talk us through it. Like what actually like happened? What, yeah, what, what's it like to sleep out on the street for a night? Well, it's uh, like you said, it's a very cold experience. So, mm. I mean, the first thing that they really try to show you and it's, it's a little bit scripted, but at the same time, it shows you how you know, extreme it can get in that when you start out the night, you go to like this year, we went to a car park structure and we were on the roof of the car park and, you know, we're just sitting out. We probably stayed there for, what was it? Maybe two hours Mm -hmm. until the cops arrived. And when they rocked up, 
they said, well, you can't stay here. You got to move on. So uh-huh. they were really nice, of course. And I think you know they like the police partner with the base services. So they're really trying to right. build this awareness. So this um, wasn't a, a random appearance of police presence. This is something that they uh, <laughs> that the organisers had had sort of hooked up. But but it is a, yeah. a reality of what homeless people have to deal with. That they they do get moved moved on. Like you can't sleep here. You can't stay here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and and not always nice police officers. You know, sometimes it's yep. it's turf wars kind of thing. Like you can't be in this area because this is our area, mm-hmm. and then you know it becomes very unsafe because if you stay in someone else's spot and they don't like it, you know, they could get stabbed or all sorts of things. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So being moved on is quite a usual experience for people living on the streets. Wow, um, and yeah, so they're always have having to to move around. We did then end up going to uh, the base services, so it was quite nice to have a little bit of a haven for a bit of a time, just yeah. to get some soup and buns, and yeah, they gave us some fruit, and yeah, in that moment you kind of feel like, oh man, okay, at least in here it's warm, yeah. no one's going to attack me, I, you know. And, I and, can imagine, yeah, that would be a real highlight for people. Yeah, yeah, and were there other people there, like also grabbing a meal, who who are sort of genu- genuinely homeless or genuinely struggling? Well, one of the cool stories is there's a young guy who grew up on the streets from probably about the age of from 10 years old, mm-hmm. I think he said he was when he first started on the streets. Yeah. And he moved to Toowoomba and connected with the base services. And after about a, a period of five years, he's gone from living on the streets to actually renting his own home and holding his own job down, which is huge shift. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, and so every year, no, even every year though now he comes out to the street and does a whole week because the organizer wow. actually does a whole week out on the street to raise the full amount of money, and people who participate do one night. So, Man. Uh, we, yeah, last year when he did do that, it was the first year that he ha- was in a home. Literally got into the home the week before the sleep out, and yep. then had to leave to sleep out for a week. So he only had one <laughs> week in his home before he went out and did another week out in the street, but oh, wow. he loves to do that to help others. Wow. And, and didn't your um, your senior, senior pastor, um, Casey Wolverton, also spend uh, the whole week out on the street? Th- yeah, yeah. Th- this so year? he yeah. was a bit crazy this year. He thought, you know what, I'm going to try to do a whole week and just support Nat. And uh, that's the guy that runs the base mm-hmm. services. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I think I, I didn't think he would be able to do it, but sure enough, he did. Wow. Okay. So just talk, talk us through the logistics of, of some of this. So I imagine it, because this happened like what in August or something. So you would have, I guess, been wearing the warmest clothes you, you had knowing that you were going to have to survive all night. Did you have any sort of blanket or, or any kind of mattress or like how, how did that situation work? Well, the funny thing is I actually didn't really own a jacket that was good enough for Toowoomba weather, like up and like for the last three years I've lived here, I've just kind of snuck through on heaters and, yeah. and staying indoors when it's cold. Yeah. But I went and bought one just for the night because I really needed it. And they actually give you this backpack swag. So yep. the, the money raised by all the participants in the sleep out goes to these backpack swags that will then be used on the night, but then washed and cleaned and then given to people who actually need them. All right. And, those things are great. Like they fit. They're very small when they all rolled up, but when they come out, it you know it covers you. It it really knocks out the effect of the wind. It's it's really really top notch thing. 
Okay, but but as you say in your article, you could still feel that cold of that of that concrete sort of leaching up through through that relatively thin mattress. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You can't you can't get away from the cold of the cement. And where we were at a train station, loading bay, it was just yeah, it was real cold. Kept coming up, and by I think two a.m. I just kept tossing and turning because, you know, one side would get frozen. So then you're like, okay, I'll turn on to the other side. And then, um, yeah, same thing. Just rinse and repeat. Wow. Wow. Mm. So, so basically, um, once, you know, after the, the warmth of, of having a meal together, you were sort of booted out back on the street and it, like you say, ended up at the train station and sounds like you passed a pretty miserable night there. Is it, is that where you spent the rest of the night? Yeah, we stayed there till about 5 a.m., Mm-hmm. Usually you, they stick around for a a breakfast that they put on for everyone, but we had to head off because I had to drop some of the some of the boys that came with us to school because they're doing a sports day thing. Oh yeah, they were they were tired when and I spoke to them the next time. <laughs> and and um, you had work yourself, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I had to go do a full day, so I was a zombie. And <laughs> I think in that moment I realized how heart wrenching and soul breaking it is when you have to do that mm-hmm. just for just for one night i did that so imagine if you had to do that over and over again yeah you would just oh man how, how could you even keep a job with that yeah yeah so it's, yeah so rather than thinking well hey you sleep on the street versus you sleep in a bed well so what so long as you get a good night's sleep no big deal but mm. as you're saying you discovered it's actually a really soul destroying experience what 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 is so difficult about it do you think well i think like you you spend the whole night tossing and turning for starters i'm sure you get used to it Mm. but then on top of that you know when you go and you know maybe you have to do a whole day you're not going to a place that's better at the end of the day you're going back to where you started off Mm -hmm. and if that's somewhere that's at the bottom then that would feel like this cycle of unending cycle that you can't escape. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's how I'd imagine it feels, but yeah, I I don't fully understand it, of course. Yeah. I, I don't know the full experience. I only do one night a year. But yeah, I think that's what I've heard just talking to some of the people that have been through it. Yeah, it's a, j- just a tiny glimpse. I, I totally get, get what you're saying. So w- when it comes to like the previous perceptions that you had around homelessness and homeless people or or maybe some of the sort of stereotypes that we encounter uh, about them um, or about the experience of homelessness, did, did you find that your experience and the sort of people that you, you know, met, you know, whether they're workers or, or, you know, people struggling with homelessness themselves, how did your perceptions change? Oh, yeah, that's a good question. I guess realizing that the solutions to their problems are not just as simple as like try harder or, mm. you know, you know, I, I have probably felt myself saying that once or twice in the past. And really now I just look at that and go, man, that's ignorance. Mm-hmm. Like, I met, like, yeah, I just think you can't expect something uh, just to be sold by maybe throwing some money at them or, or just, you know, maybe even just like giving one meal every now and then that doesn't really solve it. Like the the guys I've met that have actually left the street have done so because there's been people that have invested in them mm-hmm. and that have spent a lot of time and energy trying to help them get into work and into a home and, and to get them onto their feet. Cause at the end of the day, they've never had anything else. They've never experienced anything other than maybe for a long time, they haven't experienced anything mm-hmm. other than sleeping on the street and having to, stay in this kind of terrible place. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, you you say in in your article that most people who live on the street don't stay there because they want to. I mean, mm. is, is this a perception that you come across that oh, you know, people choose to be homeless? Um, you know, they want to be there. Like, you, know, you try to give them accommodation, and they'll just be out in the street. You know, before you know it. What what do you now see is perhaps you know inaccurate or or simplistic about that kind of stereotype, that kind of statement? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where I heard it, but I remember someone saying that one of our biggest things that we struggle to understand in our culture is is mental illness. Yeah, and I think that is one of the biggest struggles that these uh, that these people suffer with. And you know, when things are not working right and things are not going right, and you get into these dark places, you're not thinking about you know getting off the street. You're just thinking about coping. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so yeah, I just think. Yeah, I, I just think that's a big challenge. Mm. And unless that's, I guess, focused on, it'll just keep happening. Yeah, cool. yeah. I guess, you know, when I think about my life and I think of mm. having to keep up with the, you know, the rent and the, or the or the mortgage, you know, and the other bills that keep rolling in and my responsibilities to my workplace, to my family, to my friends, to, you know, all the, you know, keeping the, keeping the car running, you know, keeping the house mm. going. Yeah. I mean, that is a very busy and full life and that keeps me more than busy enough and often feeling very stressed. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess I just imagine throwing a, a mental illness into into the mix there and perhaps having some family members or, or friends who had their own struggles who were maybe dragging me down or, or yep. who maybe I feel I need that I feel the responsibility to help out with or something it sort of seems like it wouldn't take much for any of us to end up in a position where you know our home was was no longer somewhere where, where we could stay no well I mean for some of these some of these guys that I spoke to, it just took one really bad day mm. and that was enough to send them onto this destructive path that ended on the street. That's that's pretty scary when you think about how fragile life can be and yeah, I mean, when we focus on all these other things like, you know, the rent and like all the things you just mentioned, mm. yeah, like those things do seem very transient and temporary because at any moment they could just all disappear and yeah. then we end up with nothing. Yeah, wow. You know, I've, yeah, it's it's it doesn't bear thinking about, does it? Really, it's a, no. a, a bit of a scary thought. Now, also in the article, uh, Jacob, you talk about another experience you had on the Gold Coast where you encountered a, a, a homeless person. Can you just give us a little thumbnail sketch of of what happened there? Yeah, so I think it was about a month afterwards, from mm-hmm. memory, or maybe two months. A couple of guys were just sitting on the side of the street in in the Gold Coast where I was supposed to be. I went there for a work mm-hmm. a work convention. Yeah. And yeah, as I was just walking down the street back to the hotel, I saw these these two guys sitting there, and like just this thought hit me. It was actually the same jacket I was wearing. Now that I think about it, that I bought for the homeless night. All oh, right. Uh, yeah, and I used that. And then I don't know if it was because I was wearing it, but it was really like hitting me. Like yeah. Well, you don't need this as much as they do. But for some reason, I don't know if I chickened out or I just kind of rationalized it away in my head, like, ah, oh, you know, it doesn't matter. But yeah, it really just made me start, like, I just, I don't know, I just kept walking. And yeah, because you, you, you say in your article that obviously while you had this jacket, the these guys that you saw were just like, well, at least one of them was just dressed in just a t-shirt and shorts. And That's right, yes. It was, yeah, and, yeah. and it was a cold, I mean, you needed your jacket that night. <laughs> yep. And, you know, the ocean breeze, like that's that's not fun to deal with and especially to sleep out there in, in this door, cr- like like this narrow doorway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm 
just probably about for the next kilometer of walking, what felt like 100 kilometers, I just had this real feeling like, man, why didn't, why was I so keen to sleep on the street and, you know, raise some money? But then when it actually came to it and somebody was actually near, near me, I just kept walking. Yeah, I don't know. That that yeah. was really for me a moment of of reflection that I'm still kind of thinking like, well, maybe I need to put my money where my mouth is a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, it is a confronting thing, you know, because you're all these things go through your head. You know, well, maybe you know they, you know, some people don't really feel the cold. Maybe they're mm. fine. <laughs> yeah. You know, if I start in a conversation, who knows where it could end up? You know. They could be aggressive. I mean, yeah, people come up with all sorts of reasons and excuses why to why they need to walk past, you know, someone who's who's clearly in need. And, and like you say, you must have been agonising about that for for a while. What, do you think if you were faced with the same situation again, you'd respond the same way? I mean, I guess no two situations are ever the same, but mm. you, you know what I mean. I'd really hope so. Hey, I guess like it's just so easy to be desensitised to people and their needs. Mm. And I'd really hope that each day I'm becoming more and more aware of and sensitive to the needs mm. around me rather than just trying to maybe throw a couple of dollars at it or maybe put a Facebook post or something, you know, but actually seriously wanting to do something on yeah. a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're, you're a pastor, Jacob. I mean, surely you should have some, some tips for us on, on how one goes about, you know, making positive changes to our, to our heart and, and attitude. You, you got any tips there? Like if, if, it was, if you were speaking to yourself, you know, as, as a pastor talking to, you know, young Jacob walking down the street mm. in, on, on the Gold Coast, uh, what, what advice would, would you give him in terms of the change of heart he needed to make? Oh yeah, that's a good question. I always feel like I, I say things that hopefully are positive. So if I was talking to young Jacob, probably a lot of things you'd have to learn. But, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I think I'd just start off by pointing out that there's nothing more pleasurable than a life dedicated to others. You know, it's mm. even even Jesus said it's more blessed or it's better to give than to receive. Yeah. And so I would hope that yeah he would take that advice. Mm. And I guess also the heart change doesn't come just from, you know, trying harder, but actually, you know, realizing that we've got so much and being appreciative and grateful for that, that we've been given, that's graciously given to us by God. I think mm-hmm. that's mm. that's got to be the motivating uh, force that inspires us to do good. Yeah, yeah. There's a. I'm not really good at remembering exact Bible references, but I, I can usually quote, quote verses from the Bible from time to time. And one of them is is where God says, "I will take away your heart of stone, and mm-hmm. I'll give you a, a heart of flesh." You know, this is a sort of thing that is said quite a few times in the Bible that God sort of offers this us this this transformation, and it's possibly yeah. not something that we can do ourselves. I think, as as you've you've hinted at, it's something that you know that God really has to help us with. Yeah, definitely, because it's it's ultimately a gift. I mean, we can do nothing. I mean, our life, ultimately, if we think about it, mm. if we boil it down, we don't have much to give. And like a lot of people on the street realize and understand, it can all disappear in a moment. But yeah. there are some things that are eternal and that are worthwhile uh, forever. And I think that's understanding a relationship with God. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Wow. So, so turning to, I guess, more, more practical in, in a more practical direction, mm. what, what do you recommend that, you know, we can do for the homeless to, to improve this situation? 
Well, I think, yeah, number one is always relationships. But mm. I guess the question we got to ask is where can we go that we can actually start building those relationships right. with those sleeping on the streets? I mean, just walking up to them and saying, hey, I want to hang out with you might even scare them or intimidate them. So yeah. I think, yeah, like getting involved with services that help those living on the street, anything from soup kitchens or, yeah, I know Rosie's is not really a soup kitchen, but that's another organization that give hot drinks to um, mm. those on the street. Like these are opportunities to meet on a weekly basis and then yeah. start connecting and then hopefully building a relationship and then seeing what's actually the need. So listening to them more. I've actually seen that help a few people. I've met a few people that have come off the street just from them building a relationship wow. with, uh, with some people. Wow. Yeah. And I've, I've actually heard it like read things that, you know, homeless people have said that, you know, homelessness is tough, but one of the most difficult things about being homeless is the psychological sense of isolation yep. that you can be like sitting there on a street, you know, with a cardboard sign and, and everything and people deliberately avoid even making eye contact with you, looking at you, talking to you. It's like everyone's trying to pretend you're invisible and mm. they reckon that that experience can just be especially when you're there saying help, 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 you know, via your sign or whatever, that can be really soul destroying, they they reckon. Yeah, I've heard that too. And that's not going away anytime soon, especially in our busy world where everyone's got their headphones in and looking at their phones. Mm. We're more and more disconnected from people around us. So I think spending some time unplugged with people and, you know, that's sometimes the easiest way to do that is to get in partnership with a soup kitchen and you know mm. join them for their different days and serve and build that friendship there yeah I, lo- I love that that sort of systematic approach yeah to be be a part of something that you can believe in that that you know is working and and i guess mm. the other thing is you know donations like if someone does come to you saying hey i'm participating in a homeless sleep out can you sponsor me the answer is yes yeah <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. definitely i mean people are so afraid to give money to somebody on the street but maybe every time they felt that desire to give money, what if they put that, in, or even more so, like if they just in systematically, intentionally raised money throughout the year and then gave it to these services, mm. then they would actually be helping those people in the street and would maybe feel safe about it yeah, and yeah. Not, not worried what might happen to that money. Yeah, yeah. Look, a, a couple of times I, I've been in situations where, you know, there've been homeless people on the street and, you know, wanting money, whatever. And I, and I do share that sort of, you know, are they going to spend it on something that, you know, like drugs or alcohol, you know, is the, mm. you know, you sort of, which is a terrible stereotype, but there's probably a grain of truth there somewhere. But, but rather than using that as an excuse to do nothing, I've, I've decided, and I've done this a couple of times now to actually stop and chat with the person for a moment and, and to mm. say, Hey, um, you know, what do you, what do you need money for? And they often they say, I just need it for food. And so I'll say, look, you know, would you mind if I just popped over to the shop? You know, cause it's often in a city sort of situation where there is a, an eatery somewhere fairly close, you know, go to a shop, grab a burger, come back, say, you know, is, is that all right? And a, yeah, a couple of times I've had people say, oh no, thank you. I really, really appreciate that. And they're, they're really, really grateful just, just for that wow. food and, and just for the chat as well. I think, I mean, I know it's not solving the homelessness problem, but it at least feels like some human contact, but it, it actually takes more time than just to drop, you know, 10 bucks in a, in a cup as you go past. So mm. I kind of feel better about doing it that way, but I, it's not for everyone maybe, but look, it works for me. That's great. And, you know, actually at our church, every first week, uh, Saturday of the week of the month, we actually do like a, you know, lunch for the community. 
And we've actually been noticing a group of about, I think it's about 10 that come in and they, they don't come for church, but they come for the food afterwards. Mm-hmm. And we know that, you know, they actually make the journey across town to get to our church because we're not in the center. And, you know, these guys all live on the streets where they come together and they actually really appreciate what we do for them. So if you've got friends and if you go to a church or if you've got a community, get together and put on some food for people. I mean, yeah, it's not the hardest thing to do, but it yeah, definitely yeah. makes a big impact. Love it. Love it. Hey, thanks so much, Jacob. I really appreciate those um, those ideas and those challenges that you've uh, you've thrown out for us today. Yeah, I certainly encourage people out there listening to, you know, put some stuff into action, you know, make, make a positive difference in, in your community. Thanks so much for your time, Jacob. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Ken. Appreciate it a lot. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast. 